Hello, ladies and gentlemen. This is your host, Ian the Dynamo Kelly, joined by Ted Irving, and you are listening to Dynamo's Half Dozen. Welcome back. So here we are once again on Dynamo's Half a Dozen, me and Ted, finally bringing you the, the show that you've been asking for, which is our review of ECW Living Dangerously 1998. But I think, Ted, it's only right before we get into ECW Living Dangerously 1998 that we kind of, we actually take a step back from the weekend that we just had of, of wrestling, and albeit from WWE, and just maybe take five minutes at most just to kind of maybe appreciate um, probably some of the best WWE content that we've seen in a long time, to be fair. Um, yeah, very, very good weekend for it overall, yeah. Yeah, I mean, like, AEW will definitely be in the back looking at that and saying, okay, maybe we need to up our game. And again, that's what that's what competition brings you. Um, because, I mean, NXT was pretty phenomenal. Yeah, it's great show. Didn't, didn't have a bad match. And then... Survivor Series last night, again, probably the strongest WWE pay-per-view. Not just the strongest Survivor Series, the strongest WWE pay-per-view from start to finish that we've seen in a long time. Yeah, it's, it's been a, that was a big one now this year. Yeah. Um, Jesus, when, what would have been the next biggest that I can think of? Mania was very good. But, I mean, consistently, match for match, pound for pound, I thought, Oh yeah, yeah. That Survivor Series was probably the best. Again, it it goes back to what I said to you before, isn't it? Um, when you bleed in the kind of NXT factor to it as well, it really kind of ups everyone's game. Um, those it gives guys a different dynamic as well. Yeah, like those guys and gals aren't looking out of place in in any way, shape, or form. You know, this is I know they're they're not. It's not really like. As they've started, they've finally kind of said it now themselves. It's not a developmental anymore. No, this is it's a third brand. It's and like that's it's, that's the correct way to look at it because for years it hasn't really been a developmental. When you have guys like Finn Balor down there, and like before he got called up the first time, you have guys like Finn actually, Balor, yeah, Samoa actually, Joe. They're not, they're not, they're not new. They don't need to be trained in. You let's know? talk about that first. Actually, let's talk about obviously because we're we're we, as we always say we're biased on this podcast. Let's let's talk about um the return of Finn Balor. Um, obviously, as you know, anyone that knows me uh, knows I'm a big Matt Riddle fan, just a fan of his work in general, and. Obviously, Finn Balor returned. He was obviously meant to be uh, returning against Johnny Gargano. And Matt Riddle ended up being the replacement, which, in my opinion, is not a bad replacement. A very Uh, good replacement, yeah. Great match. In fact, I would have picked that over the Gargano one. So, um, yeah, we were were obviously texting during during the match and during the show itself. But, yeah, Finn Balor looked... He looked like he had a brand new lease of life, didn't he? He wrestled again like a heel. He's he's a heel again. He's the prince, you know. Uh, yeah, it was great to see him in WWE working the the heel side of it. Yeah, because we haven't seen that yet, and he's no, been there no. what since? She's how long has he been there now? A good couple of years, and he hasn't hasn't been 
hasn't been the bad guy yet. So it's great to see that. Hopefully that continues. And when they finally decide to move him back up, he um, they they continue with the with the prince thing and don't just put him back to being happy and smiley. Yeah, I mean, I I can't see them doing that. I mean, well, I mean, I can't see him wanting to go back up to do that. Um, it was it was a it was a great match. I thought, yeah, you're right. He's definitely got a little bit bulkier. I don't know whether they should be introducing him as hundred and ninety pounds anymore, because he looks a hell of a lot bigger than that. Um, yeah, it was just a great, just a great pay per view. All, all you know, two great pay per views overall. Um, yeah, two great nights in a row. Yeah, so, tough going to do that, really. Like, and fair play to some of the lads; they went through some pretty, pretty big hellish matches on the Saturday night, and then straight into Survivor Series the next night. I know people will say, "Well, that's what they signed up for, and this is what they trained for," but still, some of the stuff like Adam Cole taking that um, that backdrop from the, the top of the War Game cell, hellacious bump. As, as yeah, uh, that's it huge bump to take and then yeah. out the next night again for another huge match I, I have to say like I look at guys like um, Adam Cole and Champa and they just they, they, they're so believable in their um, in their work and in their uh, character that you know it's it's only a matter of time that I, I, I mean actually shout out to the match of the weekend for me Personally, um, our boy Pete Dunn um, with Adam Cole. That was one of the one of the best pro wrestling matches I think I've seen in in, in a long time. I know I said before that um, <clears throat> that I thought the best wrestling match I'd seen up until this point in a long time was uh, Cody and um, Aldis. I think that particular match in terms of a just an old school wrestling match i thought that gave it its run for its money yeah and it wasn't like it had an easy match to follow either like no the match before was yeah i thought i was like geez that could be match of the night there straight yeah, away yeah yeah 100 yeah. percent. which was obviously the triple threat but i i uh yeah i think my my match of the weekend would definitely go to uh sorry finn but uh it would go to um Adam Cole and uh, Pete Dunne, for sure. I just thought it was really, really good. You? What about you? I don't know. There was just so many to think of. Like, that one, the the match before the Triple Threat, that was the match before the women's uh, war games was was absolutely monstrous oh, as well. Geez, that was outstanding. That was outstanding, yeah. Yeah, like, I don't know. I can't really pick match of the weekend. There's just there's so many. And I, I wouldn't want to really, to be honest. Like, so, I'm just glad we got so many there wasn't just one that I can choose from, you know. Yeah. Happy to be in the position where I can't pick what was my favourite match of the weekend sort yeah. of thing. Well, let's get on to why we're here today. Um, we're here to have a look back and review um, an ECW classic in many ECW fans' minds. Um, I, had, uh, I had not seen it um, in a long time. I'd seen it back in the day, but like I said, you know... Um, as you'll tell when I do my review on it, you'll see why I didn't go back to watch it again. Um, 
ECW was on March the 1st, 1998, in Asbury Park, the home of the boss, Mr. Bruce Springsteen, with a capacity crowd of 3,700. Living Dangerously in 98, which a lot of old ECW fans consider one of the better, uh, one of the best pay-per-views in ECW history. Um, So, Ted, we decided we'd take a look at this. We took our notes. Um, We start off... May as well get right into it. We start off with a, an opening segment where Taz is kind of standing outside a building. He walks in real real aggressive, looking for a, an L scan of the place. Um, kicks a few chairs around, walks into, into an empty arena, um, has a little look around, throws his belt over him, looking badass as only Taz can. And uh, Joey Styles opens up then. Yeah, I'm really sad. Like just watching that little bit with Taz, I'm really sad that I had that I didn't watch uh, ECW back in the day to get to see. Ta- I know I can go back and watch it all now. But sure, like, yeah, yeah. Oh, I wish, I wish I could have gone back to to watch his rise, like watch him get to that point to be in his gone. prime. Like, yeah, yeah. Well, he was nothing, and like he wasn't really much in the WWE. Great commentator, but as a wrestler, they didn't really do a whole lot with him. But uh, oh, he was just amazing in. ECW from the bits I've watched from them. Yeah, yeah, and this is this is this is one actually where Taz stands out in this show for sure. This is one of the one of the bright spots in the show. Um, I I know Bruce Pritchard and a lot of people have talked about how they kind of dropped the ball with Taz and how they missed out with Taz and whatnot. So maybe maybe one day we'll just do like a Taz episode and just go back and watch an old load of Taz matches. That that'd be yeah. pretty cool. I'd be um, happy to watch a lot of Taz matches. He's class. Yeah, me too. But we start off here with Joey Styles <laughs> in a match. Um, in typical e- e- ECW fashion, this is where they've got the big uh, the big ramp, um, which is basically um, something that the old uh, WCW slash NWA Crockett promotions used to do. They had the ramp. You can see in the last pay-per-view with um, fully loaded, you know, AEW did it as well. Um, it's a very old southern thing, and ECW have gone for that here. They've got the big ramp, and that uh, goes to the side of the ring, not down, but like up into the actual side of the ring. Exactly, exactly. Yeah, there's no, there's no step down. It's into the ring, so you can take a bump out onto the, onto the ramp rather than onto the floor. Um, mm. so a lot of mixed feelings over the ramp. I always liked the ramp. I I appreciated it because I, I used to like watching that. Uh, when I was watching the old Crockett stuff, so um, I'm a fan of it personally. But uh, we start off, and the full-blooded Italians come out, and this is a very colourful little bunch of people um, coming out. But it's uh, and this particular version of the full-blooded Italians, um, they would show up again in in WWE in later years with a different crowd. But we've got Tracy Smothers here. Um, Tracy yeah. Smothers, an old NWA legend. Uh, Tommy Rich, Tommy Rich, an old NWA champion, and Little Guido. Um, it would go on to be Nunzio, Nunzio. in later years. Exactly, Nunzio. Um, and they're going to be taking on. Uh, now it's going to be the team of Tracy Smothers and Little Guido taking on Chris Chetty, who's who uh, the announcers. Uh, well, the announcer in Joey Styles. Is uh, which we will talk about as well, is um, is letting us know that Chris Chetty is uh, the first student of the ECW House of Hardcore, um, mm. and he's teaming up with uh, 
with Jerry Lynn. Um, everybody knows who Jerry Lynn is. And um, one thing I noticed on my notes here, it's a much smaller ring as, as the guys are working and they're, you know, they're feeling it. It's a much smaller ring even than the AEW ring. It's, it's a much smaller ring even possibly than the uh, WCW ring. It's a very, very small ring. In this yeah, well, I think I think WCW, AEW, and WWE use what fourteen by fourteen, is it? No, well, um, WCW and AEW both use the the sixteen by sixteen. The WWE oh sixteen by sixteen. Yeah, yeah sorry. The, the WWE so, use the the eighteen or the twenty by twenty. So the WWE ring is a lot bigger than it always yeah. ha, always has been. They've always used the bigger ring because they've always had the bigger the bigger guys in the ring. You know, mm. so uh, they've always so. The standard, the standard ring would have been, um, for a lot of a lot of these workers would have been, the uh, the sixteen by sixteen. I think, um, yeah, I, I could be, I could be corrected on that, but um, yeah, definitely that would have been, you know, WCW and uh, Crockett stuff. Now, if you go back and you look in the early eighties, even in the NWA stuff, you'll see, the rings that Tez and all used to wrestle in, Lou Tez and all, would have been a lot bigger, but they were like boxing rings, you know, mm. um. But they were they were just kind of, uh, kind of needless, I guess, at the time. Um, but yeah, one thing I noticed, it, it, one thing I really liked actually, as the guys are kind of shooting the shit and shooting the breeze and whatnot, and it's a real the old saying of the smoky hall feel. You can actually see the smoke in this at the start of it. Um, it's very, yeah, obviously this was a. Uh years ago but this kind of reminded yeah. me of uh, the Tivoli yes, when OTT yes. used to go there it's a real like I, yeah. you've been there and we went there for concerts and stuff but it's a real sure. small venue yeah um, so you can only like you said they had a sellout crowd of 3,000 or whatever but like that's all you were going to get in there you couldn't cram any more in there like the pace is packed yeah like 3,700 3, like, is in is in this uh, yeah but that, yeah. like that's that's sold out that's not like small numbers like this oh no I'd say, I'd, I'm sure there was people wishing they had tickets to this sure but just like just like OTT it, it's cram, it's crammed it's packed like you have the smoky feeling on you the whole time but you, you feel so close to the action it's very different to like I we've been to WWE events and stuff like I've been to OTT shows in the stadium and stuff but you don't get that feeling the raw sort of feeling that you'd get in something like ECW clearly had that which is why the fans were so ravenous. Which You're was very, good to and, see. And, and that's the perfect word for it, ravenous, actually. Um, but it's a it's a it's a well worked match. Um, there's some really stupid selling from Little Guido in it when he's in a wrist lock and he's instead of selling the wrist lock, he's giving his uh, he's doing the whole Italian thing of flicking the sweat from his neck <laughs> to the crowd and you know. Yeah, rest in peace, uh, Little Guido. He died in two thousand and four from Goldberg speared him. To spear them to death in the Royal Rumble, never Jeez, seen again. Jesus Christ, you actually made me think Little Guido was dead there recently. And I was no, like, he's, Shit, no he's not. No, he's actually okay. He died. Uh, Goldberg killed him. If any, uh, if any, yeah, if any of Little Guido's fans or or family are out there, he's not dead. We're sorry. <laughs> he is. Uh, God, the Dynamo doesn't pay the half dozen page, and I'll have the video up there of Goldberg killing him two thousand and four. Yeah, uh, actually, the police so, should probably look into that. Throw that, throw that, uh, throw that video up there while we're talking, actually, because that's. Uh, that's something people need to see. Please uh, do. Two thousand and four. Uh, police should have been on that. Uh, I mean, he killed a man. It's uh, like yeah. Check it. Check it out. Ted is going to put it up for you now momentarily. <laughs> it's going to be there when you listen to this show. It's something that you need to do. But it was a. Uh, 
so it was yeah what i got from this it was a decent match um i have to say jerry lynn and um, when jerry lynn's in the ring just so innovative um he goes in to you know in when he goes into the corner instead of kind of doing the up and over he's up and over and he's got the legs hooked in for like the little pin um really good seeing that actually you know back when i started out uh, in the business that was that was considered really innovative and it still is really impressive to this day. Oh, chap, Jerry Lynn is Jerry, Jerry Lynn is just class. Yeah, like, yeah. Pure, pure another class. Um, very innovative. Um, some great work actually. Um, by Smothers when Smothers was in there, the old school working the working the referee and working the crowd, distracting the ref, and then calling his outside buddy to come in. Yeah, some really... You can see what they mean by the old hands there. Like, really, really good stuff. I think Ted's got that, that up there now. Yeah, it should be up there now yeah, for Ted's people got to that, see. Ted's got that up there now. But uh, what, did um, you, what did you think of this match? I thought it was okay. I thought it was... I th- yeah, I thought it was very good. Uh, I thought um, the manager uh, was in great distractions on the outside, constantly yeah. pulling yeah. the ref over to him. So the la- so little, little Guido and... Uh, uh, Tracy Smothers could, you know, do their thing. Tommy was, Rich, yeah, exactly. Tommy was, Rich was it was Tracy Smothers yeah. doing the distracting. Sorry, no, Tommy they Rich could, was on the outside. He he was the manager. Oh, so yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it was Tracy Smothers. Sorry, yeah, yeah. I confused myself there. Yeah, yeah. The two boys could uh, do their little cheating tactics, holding the ropes, uh, not not tagging each other in. Um, but yeah, no, very good. And then Jerry Lynn is just as he said, he's he's brilliant to uh, brilliant to watch. Um, and he picks up the win fairly handily, well, not handily, but the cheat and backfires on the poor full-blooded Italians. It did, yeah. When, uh, yeah, when Nunzio just... gets struck in the head by a flag. He did, by, and, uh, and, and as uh, as Tracy Smothers is walking out, he's about to fold up the, the Italian flag like an arrow and throw it at a fan. And Yeah. He thought better of it. crazy back then. Which leads us into a, a very confusing next segment. Do you want to? Do, do you remember it? I do. It was meant to be uh, Wing this, Wing Kanemura. Yeah, who v- versus just, Tanaka? Um, who just wasn't there. Yeah, they show us this little video package um, of these two insane Japanese guys that are going to kill each other. And anybody that knows Masato Tanaka, yeah, he's a crazy guy. He used to wrestle with Mike Awesome and just loved killing himself. But um, instead, oh, Jesus, don't say that. What? Killing themselves. Don't say that with Mike Awesome. Oh no! I said Mister Tanaka used to. They used to love killing themselves in a wrestling ring. Yeah. Yeah, but don't don't say that with Mike Awesome's name. We don't want to be on the bad road that uh, poor Joey Styles was when he said that suicide dive joke. Oh good Jesus! Now I know what you're talking about. I feel like I'm Jim Cornette right now and having to explain yeah. myself. Well, you know what? If you didn't like what I said there, it was actually said in pure and utter honesty because the two guys did like to absolutely upend. No, they did. And they they really did. Beat if you, if, if you think I meant that as a little, you know, as a legitimate thing, guys and girls. Yeah, but it, I have to call. Yeah, I have to keep us safe. You know. GFS is well. GF GF one. Can't, can't be getting ourselves kicked out of nwa like certain people with things like that you know gotta gotta cover yourself but um yeah well, i don't know the, well like, the, well, the covering themselves weird. yeah this is a weird thing that's what i'm saying covering themselves is a good one because ecw haven't even given us any kind of indication of what's going on here they have a little video package and um 
but even worse, they had the video package. They must have known this guy wasn't there. Yeah. Why, so we played a video package. This was just in, I don't know what was going on here. So Mister Mr. Wright comes out with a uh, Doug Furness, Doug Furness, full on hood and everything. Um, Doug Furness, who is a WWF guy at the time, and Mister Wright. So they must have. They were obviously working together at this time. Yeah, as we know now, yeah, WWE but, was funding them. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, but, but back in the day, that wasn't we that wasn't known. So this was seen as a big sort of invasion, disgusting sort of thing to happen in yeah. the ECW arena. Exactly. So this Mister Right guy who looks like a fucking prawn sandwich head uh, comes out and he's, he proceeds to cut a promo and tell us that he's. Very good friends with Vinnie Mac, but it's Mr. Vincent K. McMahon to you guys. Um, and then he tells us that Doug Furness will um, will now be facing uh, Tanaka. And the reason being is that Doug Furness can kill Tanaka in, in, in seconds. So uh, that's what we're but left they never- with. Still, still never explained where the other lad was. He, never like, explained. No, no, they didn't, no. They didn't say Doug Furness, you know, took him out. Nothing. Just he just didn't show up. So fuck him. I hope, hope he didn't get paid. Whatever he did. Yeah, didn't Wing, show Wing up. Kimura don't, don't. was just like Mike Awesome. Nowhere to be seen. Don't um, pay him, right? But uh, Tanaka. First, the first thing I noticed about Tanaka, that lad has cuts everywhere. His body is just cuts all over. Yeah. Obviously, like, and that just shows you. They build him as this warrior who just fought to the death all the time, and you could see I that. Like I would have loved to see. I would have loved to see if they actually had like if if Mike Awesome had been around back then. This would have been a great time for a, a Mike Awesome uh, Tanaka match, actually, because yeah, it would have been because uh, those matches are pretty phenomenal. So you see, yeah. you got me feeling bad now about Mike Awesome. <laughs> well, you know, and the goddamn the goddamn thing I said wasn't even bad about Mike Awesome. So no, well, do you but, know um, any Mike Awesome fans out there? I'm sorry, but no. So we've got, uh, yeah, Doug Furness is coming in, and that's cool. Doug Furness is a good guy, uh, but I'm um, this wing Kanamura. Fuck him. Yeah, so fuck him. So obviously, one of the things that stood out in this is, um. Joey Styles, who's obviously solo commentator, um, proceeds to tell us that he's you know one of the first FMW um, heavyweight championships, but also uh, competed in the Brass Knuckle Championship of FMW. What a fucking name for a championship! The Brass Knuckle Championship of FMW. Jesus Christ! Onita must have been smoking all kinds of crack back then. William Regal was the champion of that, world champion of that, I tell you. Well, he I had t- the brass knucks sorted, he did. Nobody was better with those brass knucks than old Will. Well, that's why that's why Atsushi Onita decided never to bring uh, to bring Regal in there, because uh, he knew no all, these, all these exploding lights matches and exploding light bulbs and whatever. He'd he, have got nowhere if uh, Regal had to reach into those tights. Pull out the brass knucks, yeah. Oh, forget about it. But, um, but um, so was Doug, he... Doug hit this strange powerbomb tombstone in that match. That was class. Yeah, it looked really fucking shit hot, actually. Yeah, I Why is that... nobody else? Why is nobody doing that? Yeah, I had that written down, too. This is one of the great somebody things. Somebody get on that. Yeah, I, I, gee, yeah, somebody do. I think, like, Doug Furness, what's he, about 5'10", 6 foot? He looked, he was jacked, whatever he was. I could, yeah, his, the size of Doug Furness's legs... 
I noticed that during the match. He's a big boy. And do you see the guy doing the splits before he was about to start and everything? Yeah. Oh. Uh, agile guy. Agile Head guy. Head of his time. Head of, Head his, of time. his time. Um, it, it was sloppy at times. I thought your man Wright on the outside was just clueless. Obviously, he was a good promo, but he was clueless on the outside. He was very, it was very contrived. I thought Doug Furness was, was... I wonder, was that... It was that on purpose? I that, think you know, so. He, I think so. I think he was. I think his gimmick was that he doesn't know what's going on. Yeah, I think so. So he's just kind of just like, yeah, hit him with this and do that. Yeah. Even though it's it's like someone who's never watched wrestling is trying to tell somebody this is how you win a match, and I thought that was, sure. it, yeah, it's sloppy, but I think that yeah, yeah, yeah. works into the way they wanted that to go. Yeah, I but think I do so. agree it was sloppy. I thought Tanaka, as great as he is for all the hardcore matches and stuff he seemed a bit sloppy in this I thought this wasn't great yeah I thought Furnace was, was, was the guy that looked a little bit crisp I he, thought did, Furnace, he definitely looked a lot better yeah Furnace was almost like the glue in the match um, yeah. if, you're, if you're watching Without this him. yeah he's calling it he's definitely calling the match so it's a pretty good it's a pretty good match um, again so we've got two good matches out of the way then we we break into like Joey Styles in the back having one of his talks with the camera as he does and he gets approached by this guy in a leather jacket, and then Nicole Bass, who was has to, Nicole Bass had to be a man at the time, surely. It's huge. Jesus H Christ, Nicole she, Bass she is put a China, She put China to shame in oh. terms of shoulders, muscles. She was big boys. Was like, Nicole Bass actually uh, um, gender? Like, was she a female? I don't. I don't know. No, uh, I don't. I don't either. The only reason I'm asking, and I'm not even asking that in a obviously in a in a you know in a negative way. I'm just actually asking was was she you know did she get a change I, or whatever? Um, I don't know, but she was she was jacked one way. She was, she, she she made China look small. Like she that. was. I'm juiced. talking about when China was yeah. at her biggest DX early days. China was big. And she made China look small. I remember watching. Uh, I remember looking in old Power Slam magazines and looking at pictures of Nicole Bass and saying, "Right, if China, if China definitely wasn't a man before, then Nicole Bass is." And I, I don't know if if that's uh, if that's the case with Nicole Bass. Now I know Nicole Bass unfortunately passed as well, um, and I think she did end up in WWE at one point. So I don't know. Um, I'm only asking the I'm question. Just looking, I'm just looking her up here now. It says that she was... Um, she was Sable's bodyguard at WrestleMania 15. She was, yeah. She was, yeah. That's, and then she was against Val Venus and Jeff Jarrett at Over the Edge. Um, the... Uh, 1999 over edge which took place that's the one after own yeah. heart yeah passed away um, um i'm not reading out that little bit that's not i don't like that at all um but yeah uh she was she was in a bodybuilder is from what i can see here okay no look i can get that so, again it wasn't a big deal it was just more a case of just me wondering that's all no um, but like if anybody doesn't know and thinks that we're being like honestly look her up from her ECWS like, oh yeah if, you, she makes China look small yeah here. like if anyone if anyone's thinking that we're just having a talk here like shitting over you know gender neutral or anything like that or whatever it may be um, transgender it's it's literally not the case this this chick looks 
like a fucking like it's it looks like triple h actually um in this in this little segment she is a monster she makes joey small joey styles look i was yeah joey smalls we may as well call him joey smalls well he was always small but she she doesn't she doesn't look out of place next to the guy she's with no she's bigger She's bigger. She's she's jacked. She's That's jacked. all I'm saying. Well, there was a hell she of a was... lot of steroids involved there. And by the way, uh, she did pass a few years back. So, um, absolutely rest in peace because she was definitely uh, definitely something different in the wrestling business and a, a sight to behold. Was all I'll say. Um, so we get on to that anyway, and they show like she's holding Joey Styles, saying, "Show the video, show the video," and all the video is is Tommy Dreamer walking in from his car into the most decrepit looking building. Um, yeah, I didn't it. get that bit. So obviously later on we learned that Beulah McGillicuddy is obviously Joey or, or uh, what's That's left. Yeah, exactly. So. They're trying to show a video of him walking in alone, so I don't know what that's meant to mean. It brings us then on to Rob Van Dam, a very young-looking Rob Van Dam with Bill Alfonso, whistle in hand, um, against Two Cold Scorpio. Um, yeah. Bit of a messy match. It was a bit of a crazy match. It's all a bit of a mess. Um, I think that this is also the first time I think I'd ever seen Rob Van Dam as a heel. Oh yeah, sure, yeah, yeah. So which which was interesting to see him working as the the bad guy. Okay. Um, but you know, I I, th- I thought uh, like solid two boys. Um, yeah, like uh, no, hundred percent. It was definitely. Um, I'm finding as 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 it goes on, and I'm looking back. I'm finding this one man commentary uh, deal doesn't really work, and I think that's where the mess comes from. Um, because you're kind of, you know, the next few matches that we were led into, you know, you need, you need the two man booth there. Um, just for, just for people to play off. Now it's so original and so, so organic as well. Um, Joey Stiles doesn't do a bad job here at all. Um, Yeah, but they probably couldn't afford a second man. We all know what ECW is like now, but looking back in terms of paying the lads, they probably couldn't afford a second man. It's very true, especially someone legit like too. Um, but yeah, no, it was good. It was good. It was a good match. Um, the one thing I thought very weird about this two called Scorpio, he kept signaling that he was going to do a four fifty, but he just never he wasn't doing it. Never I, happened. I didn't get it. Yeah, yeah, he, yeah. He signaled for a four fifty about like fifteen times in that match, and then I think he eventually hits one, but like it took. Forever. Like, what What was he signaling for all those times? Maybe he was hoping to have an epileptic fit, but they couldn't afford lighting. Maybe, but, uh, yeah, I, I thought that was weird. And then Rob Van Dan hit uh, Van Daminator, which did absolutely zero damage. I know, yeah, Nothing. what was the story? That's This is why I say mess. This is why I have mess written down. You've just um, had a chair kicked directly into your face by someone who's meant to be one of the most proficient strikers with their feet, and it did nothing to you. And look at the size of Rob Van Dam in this pay per view. The dude is jacked. I mean, his fucking his legs are literally the width of, you know, a fifteen year old boy. Um, he he's an absolute monster in this. Um, but yeah, it was a decent match. Now, the next it match was, as I say, messy. I, 
just like there was other bits in this that I that this match I, I did like it, but there was a lot of weird stuff like Rob Van Dam hitting low blows on people and then refs bumping after that. Yeah, surely it's the other way. Ref bump then low blow. Um, but yeah, it was it was very weird. Uh, Rob Van Dam hit a four fifty, which was way nicer than two cold Scorpios. Oh, it was actually yeah, that was actually beautiful. Yeah, 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 yeah. I'd be fuming if that was my big move and somebody else came out and did this a better. This motherfucker, my opponent, on top of that, not just not just someone else, my opponent on me. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. I'd be like, "Fuck you, dude." Um, but if that had been the, if that had been the story they were building in the match that Rob Van Dam was like, "I do a better," wouldn't it? if that had been the story that they were building, but it to, wasn't. It. Yeah, but it wasn't. It was never even mentioned. It was just like, <laughs> "Oh well, you know, he just does a better four fifty than you." Well, okay. one one thing we've learned here is ECW don't do the stories. Uh, not in ring anyway too well so maybe there was maybe there was story on ECW TV that we didn't get so yeah we're bo- we're well, that's both. the problem with jumping straight into a pay yeah, interview so you don't know what you're getting so, so. we're both so I, I could be crucified on this well Kelly you didn't see what happened that week beforehand no I didn't so you're you're right but uh, in terms of me jumping into this pay per view yeah it was a, it, it was a bit messy um, but all in all decent um, which leads me into the next not decent thing um which is the Dudleys uh versus Balls Mahoney and Axel Rotten um the promo at the start was just fucking Ver- ma- madness yeah but it was also it was versus them which I thought was all and then it was Spike and New Jack as well yeah yeah I, and I didn't so, get the memo to say that it was Spike and New Jack that was the problem but the intros were brilliant. I, at the start of this, I was loving it. I was like, "Oh man, the Dudley Boys were so good." Oh, well, why was why wasn't that guy just with the Dudley Boys in the whole of their WWE run? I mean, this he guy, was this this guy, what what uh, what's his name? Fuck me, man, I can't remember his name right now. Um, he always wore the little the little shit around his neck. He was he was with them at the end of or at the ECW reunion as well. He came out, yeah. and got fucked out. Remember. Um, oh, he was amazing. He was am- what a promo. The guy's a great promo, but it was just a fucking mad intro, just insane. Like this is, this is just like you rounded the boys up, got a whole lot of beer into them before they went out, and just said, "Hey, just go out and say what you want." Yeah. Um, this guy's well, talk. Was- this guy's talking about how, you know, the girls out in the crowd are impregnated because of fucking how big big dick van dundle big dick big, dudley is big dick dudley yeah yeah and he's like you're impregnated just by looking at him <laughs> it's, like, yeah. it's like this is just fucking craziness but but good i guess um the match itself was just a clusterfuck especially when new jack and all comes out it's just I mean, New Jack's music is playing the whole time. Yeah, that was the first thing I noticed as well. They brought New Jack out, and then his music just played the and, entirety of the match. And I, I had, like, I oh, had this. Could somebody turn that off in the ghetto? In the ghetto? In the? But I felt like if you actually had have just literally played Elvis in the ghetto, it would have been better. You know but what I mean? Why? It, Why was it on for so long? Because this is New Jack's gimmick back then. Apparently, he used to just stab you in oh, the was face. It? Yeah, and. Anytime no, New but, Jack wrestled, anytime New Jack wrestled, it's like uh, it's like the fiend now has to wrestle in red. 
And red but lighting. his gimmick was that his music just never his turned off. His music never turned off. Like, <laughs> that's so weird. But yeah. it, like this match, and I you know, know what? Can back. I just say something there, Ted? Based on that, that's just insane. Uh, thank God they had CD players back then because if there was Spotify subscriptions, the fucking music would have played for one song only because Paulie would have forgot to pay his fucking Spotify bill. Yeah, and that's a fact. So, um. But yeah, the, there was a few other bits, like, at the start of this match, uh, before Spike and New Jack came out, there was, like, I know we're looking back at a different time where concussions and stuff weren't really known, stuff like that wasn't really thought about, but geez, there was some nasty unprotected headshots with the chairs oh, yeah. at the start of yeah. this match, mm-hmm. and then the lads jumping off the balconies through the tables, that got a massive cheer, I mean, that, that was good, I did like that, I could have done without hearing New Jack's music playing for six hours, but uh, I know I was out taking a piss and I thought, Is this song still playing? What's going on, man? Also, this match was it wasn't just a one fall finish, this was a two falls to a finish. Very strange, yeah. Um, so the Dudley boys pin Balls Mahoney and Axel Rotten. The music still going. I, I thought the match was over. I was like, All right, maybe we're gonna get into the different music now. Uh, no, just keeps going. And then New Jack comes out and pins Devon Dudley and his music's still playing. So they don't need to replay the music for, you know, when they win. Because it just kept going. So maybe maybe that was New Jack's gimmick. He was just so confident that he was going to win forever that they were like, don't even bother turning my music off because you're just going to be turning it back on now in two minutes, like... Yeah, I mean, it was just, yeah, like, and he always brought his little bucket of friends out with him, like, with screwdrivers and, you know. Yeah. Yeah, it was just very... This very... is the worst thing I've seen New Jack do, but, God, I'm just not a New Jack fan, if I want to say. No, it was, this match was just an absolute clusterfuck, like, because the music was not allowing me to see anything with peripheral vision, you know what I mean? Yeah. It was just, like what is this shit? Like, it was just shit. And I have written down on my notes, and you can see right here, it says, cluster, fuck, shite. I've ri- I've literally written down shite. Um, it's something that probably would have stood in today's uh, indie scene in, in, in some way, in, so, in some backyard indie scene in some little bumfuck town it probably would have would be okay but it was uh it was not good on pay-per-view <laughs> in 1998 yeah nor does it uh stand out in 11 years later so or what, what 21 years later should i say 1998 yeah 21 years later so yeah wasn't uh wasn't wasn't for me then um we get on to this whole thing that um the porn star of the time, uh, Jenna Jemison was going to be in the building, and of course, sure enough, she is. She's there with her tits looking all big and shit, and just incredible, just incredible, comes out and basically he doesn't want an interview from her because he doesn't uh, he doesn't rate her, and then neither does the other guy, and then uh, Nicole Bass looks at her like she might eat her, knock her around, or eat her, one or, yeah, one or the other. But I have to say, like th- this was smart by. ECW at the time because their Very whole smart, yeah. their um, the whole thing of their business was that you know they were the extreme that there was no 
limitations to them like they they weren't limited by networks telling them they couldn't have these people so of course they go out and get one one of the biggest porn stars at the time to come in and be uh what did they have her as a reporter or interviewer i'm not really sure she was a she was a, just, just to be on the show more than anything it didn't really she matter was what an she interviewer did. They just yeah to, she was an interviewer yeah, they, just want, they just wanted her on the show and it was smart because i'm sure that did draw a lot of attention to them at the time oh yeah of course man like why not get the biggest you know biggest porn star at the time you know and well, WWE were probably getting the likes of Pamela Anderson, Baywatch babes. They were saying, well, we're going to get... And I, there's an actual line in it. Um, <laughs> because obviously uh, she says, I'm going to go interview somebody that I want to interview. And then she goes up and Tommy Dreamer comes out and Tommy Dreamer just lays one on her lips. Yeah. Lays, <laughs> lays a big smacker on her. And uh, Joey, <laughs> Joey Stiles comes out with a great line. He's just laid one on her. He's not the first man who's done that. In fact, he's done what every man in the world has done. <laughs> and I just went, okay, that's that's bad, but funny. Well, I mean, surely she ex- she knew kind of knew what to expect when she was. Oh, I'm sure she did. I'm sure. I'm sure her baby. She didn't care too much. I'm sure her feelings were uh, were well intact afterwards. Yeah. Um, I'm sure she got paid well. Well, uh, maybe she didn't get paid well. Who knows, Paul? Who D. knows? Well, it wasn't, wasn't good for that. But then we get on to the match, which ends up being Tommy Dreamer and Just Incredible. Um, I love Just Incredible. I wish he was around more. Just Incredible is actually in great shape right here. Um, you can tell he's just off the back of, of leaving WWE, so he's he's still pretty jacked. He looks um, he looks great, basically. He, he looks great. Um Shite match, in my opinion. Um, not... I think this this match was all about the build up to yeah. um, the whole Beulah thing, rather than the match itself. That was the the match was just there to facilitate the story. What would happen with Beulah? Yeah, yeah, I think that was it. Was just there for that more. So than Beulah, yeah, we may as well get on to the end because Beulah comes out. Um, hits looks the worst. like she's turned on Dreamer. Yeah, and it... and then. Hits the low blows, and they're not the worst um, low blows in this show, lads. Don't worry, they're mm. uh, they're. But yeah, she hits the low blows on just incredible and all his mates, and then Mikey Whipwreck comes out with it in a big knee brace, or a, is it a foot brace or a knee brace? No, his leg, brace. his leg was in the brace. His knee brace, yeah, yeah. He stuns, uh, starts handing out stunners, and then gets a cane across the knees for for his troubles from uh, from all just incredible. No butter to him. Yeah. So moving along. Oh well, Tommy Dreamer won that match for anybody who uh, who cares. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, it wasn't a great match. Uh, <laughs> it just was kind of there. It was just one of them. Slamboree ninety eight is looking so much better. Um. So. Yeah. Um, I'm. I'm going to introduce the next match. I'm going to let you talk about it for a few minutes because. Obviously, we get into a nice little video package with mm. with what we've seen at the start of the show. And this is, i got to say, i got to give it to Paulie Dangerously, as we call him. Uh, or as he used to be called. Um, Taz and Bam Bam Bigelow have a really nice, uh, cheaply producted, produced, should I say, um, 
video package, which I found absolutely great, which leads us into the match. So, what did you think of that? Oh yeah, I thought the the video package was brilliant. Um, if you like, I didn't know what the story was between uh, Taz and Bam Bam Bigelow going into this, so I was kind of you know th- this gave a lot of context. This uh, video package did. Um, Taz had or Bam Bam Bigelow had been in a group with the uh, who was it that he was in? Who was the leader of that group? Um. It was at the Shane Douglas group. Yeah, Shane Douglas, Bam had been in a group with them and he'd been kicked out and he needed Taz's help to uh, to get back at them. And then he turned on Taz the week before on TV. Might have been a, a little bit more than that. So uh, this let me know what was happening coming into this match, why these two were having such a big fight with each other. And... Uh, yeah, as I said, Taz going in here, TV title on the line. He wasn't even the, the world champion at this point, Taz. He was just TV title. But at that time, it was seen as one of the biggest titles in ECW, which possibly was, bigger. Which was than basically the, the winged champion. eagle. <laughs> it was basically yeah, it was, the WWF winged eagle, yeah. But, um, yeah, uh, Taz versus Bam Bam Bigelow TV title. Um basically a brawl isn't it but but it's not just a brawl it's 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 a it's a good brawl yeah so they like they brawl out of the ring up onto the uh up onto the ramp which is obviously just an elevated ramp the whole way this is the famous the famous bump yeah that oh, has. the taz the t-bone suplex i was horrible so basically uh, to put into taz context, on his own head oh yeah so to put into context guys and gals um if you've not seen it Um, for the younger guys it's basically because they're on the ramp that we explained and that's why we actually mentioned the ramp beforehand and why I tried to really sell the idea of the ramp is Taz is setting Bam Bam Bigelow who's a good 350 close to 400 pounds at the time Mm. Um, maybe closer to 400 pounds actually Um, Taz T-bone suplexes um, which if any you're familiar with a T-bone suplex you, you basically the guy's right hand shoulder is over your shoulder and then it, <coughs> you have his uh, left leg up over hooked. your right right arm yeah. basically hooked and you flip him and basically you let, Becky Becky does it now <coughs> exactly it's the Bexploder <coughs> I believe is it the Bexploder suplex the Bexploder is basically a T-bone <coughs> exactly. yeah so this is this is all good in a wrestling ring, but he does it off a ramp. Oh. Um, n- not bad enough that Bam Bam takes the bump onto pure concrete. Um, onto the crowd. Onto the crowd, but as it's happening and as Taz is leaning down, Bam Bam's weight comes down on top of Taz's head. And Taz's Which, head on is... on the guardrail. Yeah, so Taz's head is sandwiched between oh. Bam Bam Bigelow's nipple and the guardrail and when you see Taz get nasty. up at the back you can actually see the welts on the back of his head oh it was nasty chap that was n- I thought that match was over I was like that's it like he's knocked out that's they're gonna have to just take him back now like but if that, that doesn't continue. if that does not show what a badass that Taz was then I do not like yeah 
Oh yeah, he gets he pretty much gets straight up from this and just keeps going as if nothing uh, happened. Yeah, my head didn't just snap off a guardrail and look, get crushed by a three hundred pound man in the process. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh no, that didn't happen to me. That that was somebody else. You must have seen that happen too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a fucking but, um, incredible match. And then they fight their way back into the ring from the crowd. And then I'll let you explain this because. This is one of the most iconic. Uh, I mean, this is one of the yeah, most well, iconic matches in ECW history. But this definitely is one of the most iconic moments as well. Yeah. Well, Taz obviously first off locks in his Taz mission and bam, bam taps out. But ref, for I can't remember why, but the ref didn't see this for some reason. Because bam, bam was such a big boy. I don't think he could see. I was that what it was? Yeah, I think I so. I, yeah. Yeah, but the ref doesn't see it anyway, and then. There's a big back bump which just smashes through the ring. Now that that sort of that, that's kind of become very common now. You, you see that a bit, not very common, but you see it a bit more now where the ring breaks or people go through it. Like at that time, I don't think that had been done. No. Uh, Ninety-eight. I don't think I'd seen it. No. Um, but yeah, they just smash through the ring. The crowd goes absolutely insane over this. Uh, as you would, like you've just seen someone get thrown, like backdropped into a into the abyss. Through, yeah, into like into where nobody knows. Yeah, but Bam Bam drags Taz up out of this the hole in the ring, and then pins him. One, two, three. You've got your new TV champ. Um, great match. I really enjoyed it. But match of the night, definitely, definitely the best match so, of yeah. the night. Yeah, whatever. There, which leads us on to uh, the next. And and Taz well, looked great. Oh, looked great. Um it leads us on to the next thing where we actually see a little bit of Paul E. Um Yeah. Because I think we're 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 back to Joey Styles. He's told He's confused about what to do. He's like, How are we gonna do the rest of the show? We've no fucking ring. Like what, how are we gonna how are we gonna do the rest of the show? Half our like a quarter of our ring is gone. What are we meant to do here? So Paul E comes out. And says you need to show, need to show Sam uh, the Sandman and Sabu's match, which they've been told specifically told they are not allowed to air. So Joey Styles is like, "Well, we get thrown off the air. It's on you, Paulie. This is not me." But that just plays into the whole gimmick of you know, we don't listen to TV executives, doesn't it? Yeah, and it, and it's great. So the show like. I mean, we won't talk too long about it, but like Sandman and Sabu is just literally, it's like a stunt fest. Um, it's basically Sandman getting his ass kicked because Sandman gets attacked by what you think is Sabu. And it looks like the most amazing Sabu impersonator, but it's actually RVD. Yeah. With Bill Alfonso, because Bill Alfonso was obviously Sabu's manager as well. Which I love, the fact that there's a manager and he manages two people. Yes, they team up sometimes, but like these two aren't a tag team. No, they don't even like each other that much. That's that's but the they, funny thing they, about it. But, yeah, but he manages both of these guys, and then they they work together because he's like, you help him because Sabu came out at the end of Rob Van Dam's match as well. Yeah. So they do like they do as they're told by their manager. I love the idea that this manager um, has such control. He's handpicked talent because Rob Van Sabu is kind of an established guy at the time. Rob Van Dam is kind of a newer guy at the time, and he's picked up this new talent. But he's not like oh, I. I can only manage this one guy. Like I love Paul Heyman. Paul Heyman's great as Brock Lesnar's manager, but like 
imagine like Brock's not there all the time. Imagine using Paul. Now I know that the idea at the moment with Paul Heyman is that oh well I'm exclusive to Brock Lesnar. Nobody else could afford me. But imagine using him as somebody else's manager as well, and mm. like it helps get that person over. Helps do all this stuff. Like I think that's great that they had this one guy who was managing picking and choosing oh this guy looks like he's a future i'm gonna take him and i'm gonna help him and he'll help you and we'll be successful i thought that was brilliant yeah it was and basically sabu and rob van damme go over sandman um it's as i said there's not too many call out moments and um there's some insane bumps and stuff you know from the crowd loves sandman they are mental for him mental for sandman and you know sabu is basically your just your the same way that everyone else, yeah insane the homicidal genocidal suicidal maniac was the best you know phrase to coin this guy because he just tried anything it was crazy he was this guy was insane insane but um um, yeah, after all the talk of um, you know the the network won't let us show this, it's too violent. It wasn't that bad, was it? No, that was the thing. I thought it was a barbed wire match. <laughs> yeah, like, but, um, it wasn't. It wasn't as bad as I thought it was going to be. But then we get on uh, to uh, we get on to the main event, which is just yeah, just shit as a main event. Um, I think Taz should have main evented this. Yeah, we get on. It's Candido and Douglas versus Storm and Sonny. Sonny comes out because Candido is obsessed with Sonny. Choosing real life as a virtue and making it as a, you know, as a real life kind of deal. And um, Sonny comes out definitely full of booze anyway. She was full of some sort of drugs because she nearly falls into the little pothole that's in the ring left. And you could see Candido actually. Did you notice that? Yeah, and you could see Candido help her up. Like, hits, hits. You know, storm with like the worst. Yeah, I actually she had that working down. This looks like hits him with a cooking sheet, and it looked terrible. Oh, good lord! It was. It looks like something you know. If you had two three year olds and they were trying to pretend that they were wrestlers, this is what they would do. Yeah, yeah, and then um, obviously Al Snow comes out. He's the real mystery opponent. Um, yeah, I love Al Snow. And Al Snow is majorly over here because, you know, they're throwing the head into the ring. Um, yeah, I'm glad because he he never got enough love in WWE. No, Not, no. Like, he, he was always used. He was never, like, just a nobody there. But I don't think I appreciated him as, as much back when I used to watch him. I love Al Snow now. Anytime I've seen it, because I think I said this on the last one, on the last pay-per-view we watched, which was fully loaded, I said yes. how much I loved Al Snow then. Yeah. I'm gonna, sticking with it, Al Snow is the best, lads. Bring him back. Al Snow's a great wrestler and, and also Hall a, great, of Famer. a great trainer as well. A great trainer. Hall of Famer. Hall of Famer. But all Al over Snow. all over, Ted, how would you rate this pay per view? I mean surely surely you don't think it's better than you know, the Slamboree ninety eight pay per view. No, I didn't think it well, Slamboree was just more confusing than anything. I didn't was, know what was going on half the time. It was confusing, it was, but you saw some great you know well Yeah, you did. Yeah, but this one was fucking confusing at times. Yeah, um, but um, just on this thing with Al Snow, just, I just have one little. Note. For some reason, the camera was upside down in that match. Did you notice that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that, ca- uh, why was the camera upside? Down? That was really weird. But Al Snow pinned Shane Douglas after throwing him through this the hole in the ring. Apparently, that was kind of. Apparently, that's kind of like the deal with fucking New Jack. That like you know, 
you know, New Jack obviously his music plays because he's a ghetto boy. Apparently, yeah. apparently the uh, when Al Snow came out, he flipped the place upside down. Oh, is it okay? So that that wasn't just a, a mistake. No, no, they just no, no. Did... Okay, right. Yeah, that's all right then. Yeah. But uh, yeah, no, Al Snow was class, lad. Right. Snowplay was a great finisher. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. But um, I think that leads us on then to um, what should be our next pay per view. Yeah. Um, overall, this was probably the weakest of the three we've done. I think. Yeah, I think so. Um, which is kind of disappointing because it's touted as one of the better ECW yeah, pay-per-views. Yeah. Yeah. maybe it is in terms of if you know more about the stories going in and you understand all the stuff that was going on. But as a standalone show, ugh, this this is definitely the weakest. Of the I wouldn't. Three, I, I think. wouldn't. I wouldn't be introducing it to you as this, trying to get someone into ECW. Basically, is this the third or fourth? Well, whatever way, this is the weakest this of the is, ones this we've watched. This is watched. the third, yeah, this is the third. third. Yeah. yeah, third. So this is the weakest of the the ones we've watched. But um, we'll stick with ECW here okay. for our next one. But it's not the... It is and it isn't the original ECW. Okay. Th- this is when Vince McMahon had bought ECW. It's 2006. Okay, I'm intrigued. One, one night stand. Um. I'll give a rundown of the card so people know which one we're talking about. So one Night Stand it, 2006. I like six, it. Yeah. So, open a match, Taz and Jerry Lawler. You know, whatever. Yeah. Kurt Angle and Randy Orton. That, you, you like, just those two names alone, you've got a good match. I'll pay Don't to care see that. where it is. Yeah. Yeah. You've got the FBI. Um, this is obviously, uh, little Guido's in this, uh, resurrected, from death after he was killed by uh, Goldberg that time. Yeah. Uh, and they're against Super Crazy and Tajiri. Very good. Rey Mysterio versus Sabu. Nice. Know how much you. That's going to be good. Yeah. Um, you, what were you going to say? You know how much I love Sabu. <laughs> you love that. You love Sabu. You I, love I, uh, his homicidal tendencies. I do. I do. But um, the other matches are the ones that. Well, the next match is one that you'll might remember Edge Lita and Mick Foley versus Beulah Terry Funk and Tommy Dreamer I'd say that's shit I remember this match and I don't remember it being shit but okay <laughs> um, basically the the only little thing like Lita and Mick Foley are both ECW alumni yes and they've paired up with Edge okay so fair. you know obviously they're, and then they're against Terry Funk and Tommy Dreamer and Beulah, who are all ECW alumni as well. And what else uh, have we got? Balls Mahoney versus uh, Masato Tanaka. Okay, cool. And then the main event: Rob Van Dam versus John Cena for the world t- for the WWE Championship. Yeah, I'm looking forward to watching that. I, I am actually looking forward to watching that. Um, um, I, I I remember watching this back when it first came out, and I. I was a big fan of it, uh, but that's what we said we'd do with these, try and remember ones that we watched years ago and enjoyed and see if they still stand up and whether we still enjoyed them. So looking forward to this one now. Me too, man. Um, yeah, like, man, it's been a pleasure again. That's 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 been a cool podcast. We've got the hour in. We fit in everything that happened. We've managed to fit in the cluster that was Living Dangerously 1998. 
into a one hour podcast um uh, and we're gonna we're gonna try and give ECW another chance under the guidelines of WWE on the next show, <laughs> and see if we can make sense of that. But Ted, I look forward to it, and uh, it's been yeah. a pleasure. Been a pleasure, as always. Yeah, it was good. Um, good to be back recording and stuff. And well, that might not have been the best pay per view. There was still Taz versus Bam Bam was on it. Al Snow was on it. Jerry Lynn was on it. There was some good. There was some good. Some good guys. But until the next time, it is going to be for me, the Dynamo, and for Ted, we are over and out. <laughs> <laughs>